When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. everybody it's another episode of bench with bubba episode 589 gonna recap the week seven fab talk some strategy slash process in the fab world and much much more as we'll go down a few tangents i guarantee you on this show you can find myself on twitter at bd you can find our work at gaining the edge fantasy on patreon and you can find this gentleman on twitter at mike underscore curlin mike curlin how you doing my friend Fantastic as always. Really enjoying our weekly show at this point, Bubba. Yes, it's been great. It's been great. One of these days you're going to be too busy and I'll get someone else, which is totally fine. But there's a, there's a lot of fun here. A lot of uh, it's fun because we are working on stuff all week together behind the scenes. So it kind of gets to come to life once a week uh, through our discussions and whatnot. So it'll be fun. Um, do you have anything new or different you'd like to plug before we get started? So uh, you're a guest, so I have to ask. I, I don't think so. Honestly, it's funny because I don't know anymore, Bubba. It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of like it's, it's right now we are. We're, well, we're kind of in that rinse repeat mode. Like every Monday through f- Sunday, we kind of have our routine right now. This is kind of what we do. It's hard to pick up any new ventures, but like obviously, my big thing is just always plugging the YouTube because if there's one unique thing I do, I'm it's never scheduled, but there's always at least one to two videos out there a week, live streams are common. And of course, I upload them to the base load podcast. So that's the only other that's the only thing that's kind of that changes but usually like you mentioned gaining the edge is where i put out a free article today if anybody wants to check it out it's kind of outlining a little bit about playing time and um overall performance trends lineup trends etc for all 30 teams which i do a few times a week but like every once a week i try to do like a reset usually after the weekend i try to just do a full reset like hey you know weekends are busy we all have lives so i'm like i sit down and take the time to look at every team and make little notes that of stuff I may I for sure missed or didn't mention the day or two before. So it's kind of like a full reset every Monday or Tuesday. I kind of get one of those out, and that's what I just about to say. And it's on my Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. If you want to check it out, read it. Even if you're listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday, the information won't be too far off, or it'll probably give you a good starting point if you're interested. Like, oh, like this happened. Let's see if this continued. So stuff like that. It'll be on the my Twitter. I mean, at this point, probably thirty tweets down, but you'll find it. Oh. <laughs> hey, you got that. I threw out I threw out my waiver wire article for free over the weekend. I do a waiver wire usually Saturday-ish and a fab article for NFBC targets on uh, usually Saturday night, Sunday morning, give or take. So there's a lot of cool stuff. You got uh-huh. Jorge's doing the uh, the oh. relievers stuff. You got Simeon doing his daily streamers and recaps of stuff. I was gonna and, say, wait, wait, wait. I, I also do savant recaps every day. I also do uh, I do uh, a hitter streamer yeah, chart. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do the lineup. I do I have a lineup tracking tool that people utilize, and I, that's amazing. why I actually I actually utilize that thing heavily to do my own notes. The only thing I have to do is manually go check because we haven't figured out a way to 
get certain things yet. We're working on that, but uh, I need to go manually check to see who's playing certain positions and stuff like that. But other than that, though, that's a minor inconvenience. This thing saves me so much time. I used to, it, it gives me everything I need in one spot. Yep. That took me, uh, that took me three different, two to three websites to get at one point. And it's speaking of, thing. I saw, I saw, I saw Rotowire kind of has, they just came out with a new lineup tracking tool thing. And I'm, I, I just love seeing the niche. And we talked about this. I just love seeing it kind of take off. I mean, it's not a niche anymore. anymore. <laughs> It, but it, but it is but it's, yeah you're right it's not it is but it's not it's um yeah. well, well, okay so they they provided the tool but who's doing the analysis that's what I'm getting at like I, like I can sh- I can give this tool to the world and people will do the homework and that's what that's I'm filling that gap of like hey I'm not only just monitoring one little bit I'm monitoring every single team almost every day and yep. I, that's kind of what I, I kind of do the homework so you don't have to type of thing 100%. and then that's at least that's why I provide for the for gaining the edge and for the athletic but um it's nice to see because we talked about it a little bit uh. We have uh, what's his face, Greg Jewett at HQ. Where you know one of your places you work, he's doing it. You know, playing time stuff and lineup stuff. You have uh, Zimmerman doing it for Fangraphs, but that's kind of it. It's still very much a niche, which I, I welcome people all the time get into it because it's yeah. still a niche that has room to grow. And if you could do it better than me, I, I first off it'll make me better because I'll challenge myself to be better. Rob DiPietro, he's another one. He got he got into that stuff really heavily for his Patreon, and he does it well. So it's like. That's what made me start doing the savant recaps. I realized, oh, he does savant recaps. So, well, let me do those too. Like, no problem admitting that he did something I like that he included, incorporated. So, I made a point to start incorporating in ours just because I'm like, this makes too much sense not to. And it's made me a better player in the process. So, Rob, hat tip to you, buddy. Hey, if you're listening, I don't know if you listen to pods these days. I know I talk, I text you a little bit and they don't really listen. But, um, just so you know, you inspired me to better my product. So, I appreciate you pushing me just because you did something I really thought was a valuable thing to include for my own. Yeah, definitely. That's that's the fun of what we got going on, especially that's the reason we started getting into the Edge Fantasy. I know people are probably like, can you guys get to the analysis? We'll get there. But when we the four of us got together, it's like we want to do what we want to do, how we want to do it. And that allows us to be organic and keep changing as we go and do different things. And it's fun. Simeon's got his uh, starting pitching chart. You got your your uh, lineup chart. Jorge's got a reliever chart coming out pretty soon. It's almost done. Out, like It sounds like we're working on a DFS chart for me. Plus, there's like many other ideas we have. It's it's a cool thing we're, we're building over there, and uh, as low as five bucks a month, and we're gonna keep trying to put out some free content for you guys to check it out and uh, see if you like it or not. Get your tip your toe in the water and see 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 if you like it. All right, enough of that. We've talked long <laughs> enough on this, but let's get it. And it just kind of leads into what we wanted to talk about before we get into the uh, NFC Fab recaps of the week. It's more of like a process thing because we're an open book, and that's what even a one of our. Um, our discord members said he's like what i love about the guys that work here is we basically do what we say like we're an open book on on our analysis on who we like why we like them if we're going to bid on them so on and so forth and so that's called part of our process and that's why i wanted to bring it up because curlin's tweeted it out many times like why he picked x y or z i even tweeted it out on sunday night and i said it looks like i'm a big michael massey and nick prado fan this week and fab like there's a reason i did that not just because i think michael massey and nick prado are good players there's a process behind that so i want to give you the floor first curlin because it'll all kind of come together here um a big a big name this weekend is like well it's a guy we both like a lot Uh, we both love josh naylor that's one thing we've, we've had in unison all draft season that's been one of our dudes and um I tweeted out, I think it was my Saturday after he had the Monster Friday game, the combo meal, had another big game Saturday. I'm like, this is the week they'll go down in history as the week Josh Naylor busted out. Then he goes deep again on Sunday. But a lot of the reactions I got to that was, but you wouldn't start him because there was two left-handed pitchers starting this week and so on and so forth. 
Well, I did start him in one league because it was between him and Josh Bell. Those were my only options. And so Josh Nader was clearly the, the option there. But in other leagues, when I was changing my rosters on Monday, yeah, he was on the bench. He was on the bench. So why was it the right move? That's part of the process that we'll start with here. Why was it the right move to bench him this week? So we have to shout out Ben Tid. I believe it's Tid, right? Last name. Yeah, Ben Tid. Yeah, Ben. So he, ben, he's uh, Ben uh, Tid. Yes, he was the one who tweeted. I saw him tweet it out and talk about it, and then I was like, "Dude, I'm not gonna lie to you. I started Naylor by sheer luck because, as you mentioned, and in my main event, I started Naylor. I wouldn't have started him if Garrett Cooper was healthy. Garrett Cooper, of course, he's never healthy, so I guess it wasn't by sheer luck. But I had my only other first first base uh, option was Garrett Cooper, who would have had three games in Cincinnati. Easily would have made that swap. I easily would have made that swap that weekend, 100%, especially considering Naylor's history against lefties going back, especially last year. And then uh, this year, he hadn't been off. He's been off to a cold start minus, I think, one little run, which we, again, we had him starting for. And we knew this week alone, this week, that last week had five lefties, I believe. Five out of six matchups were lefties. This week's like the complete flip. I think he's facing six or seven righties this week. It's wild. But uh, perfect timing to roll that hot streak over, hopefully. But Naylor's one of those guys where, you looked at the you looked at the schedule. You probably had better options on your bench. Like I said, Garrett Cooper. Most people in a vacuum were like, "That's not a better option." But Garrett Cooper is a rock solid, especially deeper league guy. Rock solid. You know, you're kind of you kind of he's kind of set and forget, plug him in, boring type. But it was Cincinnati. It was just the the matchups were so much better, and it was just a safer play with a path to easily far out producing Naylor this weekend. So it's one of those things where. You kind of, you you take a look at the schedules, you take a look at matchups, you take a look at splits. You know a guy has certain split issues, and he's facing pitchers, and he's coming off a cold streak. Yeah, there, and we talked about Naylor a couple weeks ago, where we we're like, "There's some underlying numbers you're really gonna like here." Naylor has a lot of positive regression coming, but when and the fact that it started hitting so against quickly against lefties. <laughs> against lefties of all things, it just seemed weird. You know, maybe a seeing maybe a week of actually playing against lefties and seeing them, maybe he just started picking up on lefties a little easier by the end of the week. There's a whole bunch that goes into baseball that we can't see in the numbers. However, there was a lot of reasons to believe that a breakout was coming. Just it, again, it was just the timing of it. So I think the process of why you, what led you to sitting them in the first place wasn't wrong. It's just the results weren't there and going into So just because I'm, I won this one part of the process that led me to dropping Christopher Morel two weeks early was, I mean, you can call that terrible process, but, at the time, first off, it, it, it helped me personally because you know anyone who knows me or even listen to anything I mentioned in graphics, I was off Chris Mor- Christopher Morel in the first place. So why did I add him? Because he was a good spec. He was crushing it in the minors, and he was five bucks. I got him for five versus four. It was a great bid, but I dropped him two weeks ago. But why? I dropped him for Louis Varland. So it was bad. Pro- it was good process at the time. I dropped him for a guy I really believed in, who's been performing for me in a pit- in a very pitcher needy uh, landscape. But even if I didn't drop him for Louis Varland, I told you, and I'm going to be very upfront, I would have dropped him the night before he got called up because of those quotes, because of the quotes from David Ross talking about how, you know, his role is going to be this, and uh, he, we don't know when he's going to come up, blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, he comes up the next day unexpected. It wasn't like it was even – yeah, he was performing well enough to do it, but Morrell was never guaranteed to come up that soon. Yep. So I probably would have dropped him the night before for a far lesser option because I don't like stashing multiple players. I'd like to stash one. Two is pushing it. And two for longer than a week or two, that scares me because then that puts that starts pushing me into a corner of like making tougher cuts and like I, I like having that flexibility on my bench. And this is NFBC specific, obviously leagues that have NA spots and all that, you kind of get away with it. But shallow benches, I find more value having guys I can utilize that stop me from taking zeros. 
I, that's why I, I that's part of what led me to drop morale in the first place. And honestly, would have probably led me to drop him the day before he got called up. So, but again, it, that day, the day I dropped him, I had one person I was willing to drop him for, and that was Louis Varlin. It was literally the only person I bid with with the with the intent of dropping morale. So it worked out. So it wasn't a totally bad process, but it sucks because I will really, right now he hit another homer tonight, but he's also striking out a ton still. The tools are legit. Okay, I'm getting I'm getting way ahead of ourselves because now we're gonna we're gonna talk we'll talk about Christopher Morel later more in depth That's fine. in terms of expectations. But it was one of those things where I trusted my process and it kind of worked out. But obviously, if it wasn't Louis Varland, I, it would have been a big fail for sure in the process. But I did trust my process there. Just we'll see. It's still to be determined on both sides. It could still really suck if Morel you know, a lot it's... a lot can change for the good and the bad on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Like like even Louis Varland, he still had the strikeout stuff and he still had the great fastball and everything, but still gave up a few runs in his last well, start. Like that's not fair. He had six like stellar innings. Louis oh, Bar Louis Varlander was a thing for six innings. <laughs> Louis Varlander was a thing for six innings, Bubba. And then the seventh inning, he came out solo shot, no big deal, got an out walked someone and then Pagan came in and let the walked run the walked batter score thus hurting his era but the whip was good still got the win a solid outing especially from a guy that's your fifth sixth seventh starting pitcher in some leagues depending on where you're at but all things considered that i mean again neither here nor there you're, you're right it's still early but my prop my personal process of how i like to treat my bench in nfbc formats is what led me to cutting him and i felt really good about that cut but now obviously i'm somewhat regretting it because i could use the offense my offense is fine right now and it's getting by don't get me wrong but in, in reality curlin's thinking man i should have dropped bryce terang for louis varlin that's the one that but well, terang's his boo so it's but, well, to, but then oh, so it's funny okay so good process here right i use terang yeah. because here's the thing why i kept am a host curlin the reason why, why i kept terang the reason why i kept terang was uh he was coming off that hot start no doubt but he had second base shortstop eligibility so i'm like cool i can plug him into mi and I didn't have a good MI at the time. That was nothing. I, there was like nothing available on waivers. Like this is like RC is gone or RC is hurt. I think at this point, and like everyone's gone. So that's why I even had Morel stashed. I kept Jose Barrero too. We'll talk about. That. I dropped him the next week anyway. It doesn't matter. But I, I was like, I don't like taking zeros. So I kept him. But the thing about Trang was I was able to kind of. I started him for like a start like for a period. Where we got two stone bases. I sat him when he was cold. Sat him for another period, and then started him right there this last weekend when he hit a home run on the final game of the week, of the period. Dropped him. It's been the I don't know how I've managed it with him. I played matchups, been really strict on my matchups with him, and because uh, he's he he's a strict platoon guy. So anytime there's two lefties, I wasn't starting him. And if there was like one lefty, it's like oh, okay. But if there's three righties, I'm definitely starting him. So that's what it was with Terang. I kind of picked my spots with him perfectly. I just dropped him for the. Finally, after what six weeks of twenty five percent of the season's over, and I dropped my boy. And but he, listen, man, he gave me that home run. It was a, it was a mutual respect parting of ways. Yep. And uh, but yeah, it was one of those things where I kept trying, but it was because it stopped me from taking zeros, and there was nothing else on the waiver wire at the time. I don't want to risk taking zeros because 100%. there was no. It took it took a Nico Horner injury for Morel to kind of get that full time gig as of right now, and obviously he's earning beyond that. But no one saw the injury coming, so it's one of those things where. When my process had been wrong, had, had it had it not turned in, had Horner not got hurt, and I don't know, I, I'm obviously regretting well, it. There's no denying I'm regretting. A couple it. more things, uh, just to, just to kind of bring the process thing around is back. Is is you know he's talking about. And we're just using this example, obviously, this could portray into many things, and we'll I'm, discuss it when we talk players on why we added X, Y, or Z, and what. I'm for. also getting it off my chest, but yeah, no, this is a great weighing, therapeutic session for it's you. Therapy. It's fine, but part of part of the process, and this is why you can't just change your whole season for the shiny new toy 
you need to have your structure. Curlin has saved money pretty much every week while everyone's just breaking the bank for players. That's how he got on Louis Marlin. He was on that guy from day one while everyone was spending money on the Logan Allens, the Tanner Bybees, like all that stuff. Um, hey, the other, I also the other had th- Chris Bubich. Yeah, yeah, don't forget that Chris. Was, yeah, <laughs> that, that hurt. But again, that hurt. You, didn't, you didn't have to pay a lot for him. No. But um, the reason he wasn't on Morel, and this is something he's kind of stuck to, and a lot of guys have, but you can't just change it all of a sudden and go, oh, this guy's different, is the strikeout rate he was mentioning. Like He had a plus, over 30% K rate in AAA. We know for a fact that usually does not translate well into the bigs, and so far he's striking out a ton, as Curlin said already. So he's playing great. There's no denying that. He's a, he's a beast. And I, I, I joke because – I think I have him in like one redraft league, but in like all my drafts and old formats, I have Christopher Morel because I was drafting him all the time. So I'm loving it right now. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's going to be a a cold (laughs) spell that will come. It's going to be ugly, but I'm living this up while I can and and see where it goes. But the point of my, my, my comments here is you can't just change things all of a sudden because you're in panic mode or you got the shiny new toy. Keep chugging along and doing what you're doing to trust your process. It might be right. might be wrong. You can adjust as you go, but don't just like completely throw it out the window type thing just because something new changed. So I learned from this mistake. I did. I realized, okay, I was ahead of the game, but I screwed the pooch. Like what's good. What's what's good. What, what is it? What's good about being ahead of the game? If you can't take advantage of that, right. If you can't make the most of that. So I went out of my way this week and I stashed um, Julian. Uh, Edward Edward Julian. I made a point to stash him two bucks unopposed in my main event. And and we're, I know we talk about our players later, but I, 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 the reason why is because I learned from my mistakes. And what I felt like was like, all right, I'm in a position where I could take a chance to see what happens. And the reason why here, I'll give my thought process behind why I added him. He's I don't think the call ups imminent, but you have Gallo playing dinged up. I know he played tonight, but he left you know injured. Kepler, they're saying it's a minimum stay, but it's a hamstring. It's Kepler. We'll see. Uh, the team hasn't been hitting great. I know a couple of games it's been kind of coming around, but they haven't really. They've been they were lacking offense up until. And then on top of that, how long are they really going to keep Buxton DHing? Are you really going to keep his glove out of the field? Because that's part of what makes Buxton valuable. So I'm thinking I'm like, I'm putting all this together. I'm like I know Polanco he's not really doing much, and I know he can get hurt at any moment. Julian's been decent in the minors. I'm like, all right, well, and this was like, okay, I'm going to take a shot for a week or two and just see what happens. And maybe I'll drop him. And maybe I didn't quite learn my lesson, but the goal is here is to try to be a little more patient and take these chances when I'm in a position to. And I feel like right now I am in a position to. And that's where it's like I kind of learned my lesson in terms of how Morel or what, what I do with Morel. I'm kind of trying to get ahead of the next guy I think who can come back up and be a difference maker. Just this time not drop them so quickly and maybe make a point to hold them for the extra week or two and see what happens because we're getting to that point in the season where who knows who's coming I mean, what McLean just came up and that was i mean we were expecting it but it finally happened so am i gonna go but you can't stash mclean because in fbc because in FBC you couldn't yeah but but i can stash julian because he was added everywhere and dropped the lost spots so one of those well, things where i'm like all right well let me see let me take a stab here and see if it works I, out because my thought process is my big thing is is buxton they weren't he wasn't supposed to be dating this long into the year he still is so when is that going to stop? When is Buxton no. going to kind of get back into the field where he kind of belongs because he's a hell of a defender? So that's where I'm like, once that DH spot opens up with more regularity, I, I would expect them to get a guy who they feel could help their offense because their offense hasn't been great. And I think Julian kind of fits that build of being that DH slash second baseman to help out Polanco stay healthy slash in the lineup. So I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wish casting a little bit. I, I just I see that I, there's a small little path and I'm trying to try and get ahead of the game, the curve on it. That's all. No, that's I made a spec this past week. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but the fact I could do it for like three or four bucks, I went and added a uh, Gavin Stone again, just because I think there there's more to it. Uh, since everybody picked him up and then dropped him, now he's free. 
do we really That's... think Noah Syndergaard's going to stick around? Do we think somebody got like, I'll take my chance on Gavin Stone if I can mm-hmm. stash him for a couple of weeks and see what comes of it. I'm in. DL Hall is another great name, yeah. and especially after seeing Rodriguez. Um, DL Hall was on this waterfall, and we'll talk about later. He was actually on one of my waterfalls. I didn't make a point to get him, but it's because I not that I think he could be a special talent. The strike, we all know the stuff is legitimate. It's the walks that are concerned. He's However, talking about Grayson Rodriguez, by the way, folks. Who's I'm talking about Hall, was, got destroyed on Monday night. Destroyed. I'm talking about Hall. Hall. But yeah, but you way. said because Rodriguez is pitching. Because right. Rodriguez is struggling. Yes, yeah. Rodriguez has been on and off. And of course, they have Kyle Gibson. They have other guys that they have other ways to get Hall into the into the rotation. Mm-hmm. So those things where Hall, the upside is there, and he's the type of guy that. Because he's a decent prospect, he would have demanded triple digits probably, or, or at least a good percentage, a solid percentage bid of remaining fab once he did get the call. But because he came up and pitched that one inning or two innings in relief, he's been sitting on waiver wires in the NFC format. So people went out of their way to this was a good, this was probably one of the final weeks you can get him for cheap because now people realize the names that were, you know, I, th- I think Rob had him for a week or two now. Yep. Um, Di Pietro, I think I'm not sure if Phil did. I know Mo- Modica had him or, or and got more of them. I know Zach got in on them. And these are all guys that have platforms and also everyone's taking notice of what these other names are doing. And when those names start getting in on these guys, you kind of have to hurry up and get on, get on board or you're paying oh, wow. a premium. So yeah, it's one of those things where, but Hall, a great, another guy in a great situation to kind of make an impact sooner than later and is worthy of a stash spot. But I need, I think my thing is my real big thing was from Morel, the learning thing, the learning the thing I learned the most was maybe be a little more patient. If you have a gut feel and you want to stash a guy, there's a reason why you did that stick to your guns and kind of just hold tight for a little longer if you can. Cause I could, there was other drops I could have made for sure for Varland, but then I just, I just know me I've been, and it goes back to remember how you mentioned wanting to be more aggressive overall. I yeah. think that's where I, maybe I, maybe I, that was one of those times where I was a little too aggressive. I pulled the trigger a little too quickly because I'm trying to be that way too. I'm trying to be a little more cutthroat, a little more like like Kepler's on a minimum stay, but I dropped him. I wasn't holding. Yeah. He, I, I didn't think he was worth the stash in a 15, even in 15. And I, I love Kepler, but will I be back in on him? Probably depends on how my outfield bears in the meantime because I had also Jesus Sanchez. I was really buying into the, at least the hot streak I felt like was coming. He's out for longer than that, so he was an easy yeah. cut. But my point is, is even guys on minimum stays that I thought were fringe. I dropped Oswaldo Cabrera two weeks ago, or a week uh, th- at this point two weeks ago. He was a guy that I dropped, and he got added for like thirty or forty bucks this last week in my league. And yeah, he. But the thing is, is he's he's so inconsistent with his playing time, and then like the production was up and down. And it's like, yeah, he hit a couple home runs, but then he's batting like under two hundred. So it's, is it really worth that swap? And then oh. there's so there's a lot of like, but in a fifteen teamer, there is value there, you know, because just he's playing for the Yankees and he's gonna play, but. I didn't try. I don't know. So it's one of those things where it's like I made that tough. I thought it was a tougher cut, and now my outfield suddenly the depth is lacking. So it's like I'm, I'm over here rooting for Jake Bowers in 2023. Something I never thought I'd say. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> but, it's pretty wild. But, but that that like could be a whole other show in itself is when knowing to hold and when to fold them, the cut and keep type thing. Because yeah. is there a perfect formula? No. So I guess we should get back to the 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 whole Josh Naylor thing. I guess long story long was that I feel like the process was correct and how you came about that. And I think people are going to make those types of cuts more times. Uh, more, uh, the people are going to make those types of um, benches. those benches, those types of decisions often, pretty often, more often than you, you might realize. It's just it's highlighted when it's that big of a that big of a, of a of an output and so many people made the same decision but you have to remind yourself there's a reason why so many people made that decision it was probably a very common and smart one to make nine times out of ten this was just the ten percent well it also leads to like when people say he shouldn't have been started you shouldn't have started him blah 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 and like i get it um, in theory you're right because everyone's saying you need to get maximized at bats and then pitching to maximize innings but 
in this world, maybe at bats is one thing because the offensive landscape is nuts. But pitching, do we need to maximize innings? Do we really? Do we want to maximize innings in pitching? Because I'm telling you, like I say it in our Discord all the time, guys are trying to stream pitchers every day. I'm like, sometimes it's best not to stream, guys. It's just best not to stream. We don't need to force the envelope here. Like when I did the two-step list for the Fab article this past week, it was disgusting, especially if you weren't like an ace. None of the other options were that appealing to me this week. Um, like Michael Walker was potentially the best free agent two-step of the week. That's pretty much all you need to know. So sometimes maximizing innings isn't that great. I've been starting middle of like Gainer Canoes and stuff a lot this year because even in 12s, because I'd rather do that than some of the matchups with the starting pitcher who I believe has better matchups ahead, but that week just it ain't happening. We're not going there. So I think it's a it's still a game where you want to maximize, obviously, because you want roto roto production. I'm not crazy in that regards. But at the same time, I think it's a game nowadays that the landscape of the actual game of baseball has changed so much that the landscape of fantasy baseball needs to adjust a bit and realize more is not always better in this scenario. So uh, especially pitching side of things. And so that's another one that's kind of process wise, something to, uh, I guess, keep an eye on and see how that plays out. Yeah. A lot of fun. This conversation, I needed that. I needed that therapy session to justify my actions, even though they were wrong, but somewhat right. But still, overall, I'm not happy with them. So we'll see where it goes. But yeah, I'm doing all right. So I'm not too mad. All right. Well, then we're going to the fab early tonight. There's a lot of names I want to discuss lately. We've been only getting to a few. um, And it's because we have other great player breakdowns and stuff. But I want to talk fab, guys, because there's a lot of players in 12 team OCs that were added at like over 90 leagues. Like that's like a fifth of the leagues, give or take. So they might be available in your leagues or there might be reasons like this goes back to why I wanted to mention them for a process of why they were picked up on people's teams. Um, let's start with the one that was not a process. It was pretty simple. And that is Yuri Perez. Yuri Perez was picked up in all 508 leagues. He went as high as 665. Wow. As low as 52. Lucky you. I think my best, I, my keep monster was like 44. I just, I, I wanted him. I couldn't afford, I knew I wouldn't be able to afford him. But when you look at Yuri Perez, it uh, was a fun outing. Four and two thirds, uh, got you eight Ks on on the on the night. Gave up a couple runs because he realized you can't groove a fastball in Major League Baseball. That just won't help. Two solo shots is what he gave up. Seven Ks. I mean, he was very very good, but uh, long ways to go for the kid. We'd like to get five innings. Be nice, but he had a thirty five plus percent strikeout rate in AAA or AA. He never made it to AAA. He's uh, twenty years old. He's a beast. What were your thoughts on him? Because I liked him. I had nothing wrong to say about him. I've just already gotten like Tanner Bybee and other guys, so there was no way I was getting your press. Yeah, it was part of the whole, like, I need to save my money for other needs. I attacked other needs this week. I, and we'll, again, we'll talk. I don't want to give away that part of the conversation, but, yeah, I, it was more so I didn't need him. And I, I, but I understood it. He fit the same build as all the <laughs> insert prospect pitcher that came up you know, that week, it was just what it was. So I get it. I'm not going to, there's not really much to add to it. So many podcasts have talked about it. So I, it's just one of those things where it's like, it made sense and it was expected. And if you weren't expecting the prices to be that high I, at this point, I'll say, yeah, <laughs> at this point, I don't know how to help you then. Cause I, I feel what it was, was I think more people might've expected Mason Miller type bids because the comps to him in terms of like inning limits and upside and strikeouts with lack of win help, the comps were at least, more that way than than what we saw because we saw bids get even in mains bids were over 400 and high and mid to high threes so it was one of those things where he priced up higher than a lot of people thought was going to happen i i called i comped him to bryce miller 
bids. I was, I, I, but then I was like, all right, maybe Mason Miller was a better comp for bids. No, apparently Bryce Miller was the better comp for bids. And it just goes to show you, man. I mean, we had another what another week last week where Perez was probably helping out in terms of filling an injury or a need because how many we had another i'm sure we had another pitcher to go down last week i can't think of and then you've obviously had like tonight well, monday yeah, drew rasmussen go down that was big there that was the name thank you and then tonight I, I tweeted about it but it's also it's more people since i mean you've had hunter green blowing up your ratios tonight um <laughs> well you had manoa you had you had otani who did he got you the win got you a decent whip but you know the era was still not great you, you had Grayson Rodriguez, Freddie Peralta. If you stream David Peterson, God bless you. Patrick Corbin was probably the best of all these names tonight in terms of ERA. Let that Crazy. sink in. <laughs> so you get my point. That's why Yuri Perez went for what he went for. That's why pitching will continue to. And it's going to turn into smaller bids, but similar percentages the rest of the way in terms of like, especially if you have another, especially if um what Gavin Williams comes up. I guess that'd Gavin be another Williams, big name. You got Libertor. Um, be a Dude, few Libertor. More. I'm glad I got Josh uh, Josh Allen. Wrong sport Logan here. Logan Allen, Josh Allen. Get together, Curly. Get it together. It's baseball season here. I, I, I call myself a baseball analyst. Logan Allen. Uh, I got in on Logan Allen because I thought he was kind of closer to close to Bybee, but not quite the price it was going to cost. And so far, Bybee's been way better. Allen hasn't been bad, but he. it's like I watch Allen start. He gets through three clean and then gets hit. After it gets like through the the gets through that lineup like one and a half times, it's weird. And then this week he gets a terribly tough matchup, so I, I sat on this week again. But uh, it's one of those things where I got in on Allen. That's kind of the one spend up, you know, rookie I got. And I was trying, like you mentioned, I was trying to be smart with my money, trying to build my strength because pitching has been my strength this season. So I was trying to build on that and kind of secure it. And it's I still feel like I did a good job in terms of doing that because now I'm attacking other needs, as I mentioned, and I'm like sixth in my league in fab which was not i still it's not a lot like 470 left for the year which is pacing terribly but uh yeah it goes back to get back to this whole conversation just that pitching right now a huge need players are getting blown up left and right and people are just trying to put a band this is the band-aid it's just a band-aid that's what it yeah. is and the next guy on this list is a band-aid who always has a band-aid well, <laughs> he can't the next picture, we'll get to him in a second yeah, that's what i'm saying the first. next guy oh you're gonna do a hitter okay because yeah, i'm gonna like, yeah, 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 hit her first then we'll get to the band-aid which is a fun conversation in itself but we'll start with casey schmidt and my giants picked up in 392 leagues surprisingly not picked up in all leagues i'm kind of confused by that one um added uh for as high as 310 as low as a dollar so people are all over the board on Casey Schmidt. I think it's an interesting one because I was I had like keep modest bids. If I had more money, I would have upped them once they announced that David VR was going to AAA. That was a discussion I had last week on other shows because uh, I was on uh, with Eric Samolski on his pod. They asked me about Schmidt and some other people did. And I said, the glove's amazing. They want him for his defense. He plays. He played really good at third base in spring training. He plays great at shortstop. Crawford will be back soon. The question is, what do they do? And VR could go down. He needs some more time. Like he's not right right now. Well, Thursday when they or Sunday when they activated Crawford, VR went down. It was Schmidt's first game of going over on the season, but he hit safely in all five games prior to that. A couple moonshots, um, and he's got about more power than people want to say. Like it, it, it was kind of sketchy throughout the minors, but he actually does. Like he showed it in spring. He's got a very good hit tool, and if you can hit a ball 111, 112 miles an hour with a max EV, you have power. It's there. Just can you tap into it? But he's going to play every day now. And that was my biggest concern with him. That made him enticing. Do I still think he's a world beater? No. Do I think he's Christopher Morrell? No. But do I think he's pretty darn good? Yes. So I get the uh, I get the accusation. I wouldn't have spent three hundred and thirty three dollars on him. 
I was in more like the 20 to $30 range, but that's me being stingy now. But uh, yeah, I, I, I like the move, but again, it's the Giants and we'll see where that goes. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. It's also tough to gauge what we're going to actually get offensively from Casey Schmidt, too. Like, I understand the spring was really good. I understand he came up and hit two early home runs. The strikeouts aren't an issue right now, but he has a 52.9% O swing early this early on in the season. And it's wild because the strikeouts are like 16, 17%, and you have a O swing that's almost twice the season average for her, for for a player while having a swinging strike rate worse than league average. So it's one of those things where he there's a there's swing and miss in the game yet the strikeouts are just limited because he he's able to still make good amount of contact. I don't know how long that that like he's obviously you know excited. Schmidt's also he's produced, but I feel like there's a reason why he's never really tapped into that power outside that one big season. I'm like I'm not sure how much we should buy in. I know there is power there. We've seen he's it. 24 years old. And he, oh, he was also 23 at high A when he hit 17. So it's kind of an old age, old for that level type of thing. But I do think that, I think the power, I think there's going to be power in spurts. I don't think he's a zero. I just think maybe the two early home runs drove the price up more than he's going to actually give you in terms of worth. I, I like Schmidt. I just don't know if I like him for the prices he was going for type of thing. I, I didn't get that's where I That's where I'm at. And he's one of those guys that, I'm waiting for a slump potentially, and then I'll snap him for like four bucks. <laughs> I don't see. This is one of those things where 
I don't know if he was because of the price that people some some people paid for him. Schmidt's not going on waivers in some leagues for a little bit, even if he's deserving of it. And that's the in, thing, in 12, especially in twelves. I don't know why you're paying. I don't think he was a difference maker. No, at, at that's, that why, that's why I couldn't spend the money. Like Christopher Morel, if he stays, which we agree there'll be a slump, but if he stays doing what Morel can do, power speed, he's a difference maker. Matt Mervis is, has started out slow. He at least has the ceiling to be a difference maker. Matt McLean could even be a difference maker this weekend. That could be the type of dude. Casey Schmidt's not a difference maker. He's a he's a much better real life baseball player. Yes, fan. he's like absolutely. the Tony Romo of this last week. Okay. I had to bring football back for you. You're Why right. would you do that? Why <laughs> were you feeling, were you feeling left out, Bubba? Did you feel like you needed to show yeah, like for, I know football too? For all <laughs> Look, I know a name. But yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see how Casey Schmidt does because the other reason I liked him potentially is Crawford will be on the IL again at some point. Casey Schmidt will eventually get shortstop eligibility with his third base, which is the middle infield CI thing is freaking huge. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that as well. It, but it makes you wonder, like, how much different is he than, honestly, and I don't want to say this like this, this smirch his good name here, Schmidt, but right now the way Kyle Farmer's performing, there's like no difference. No, and, not, and Farmer I'm was like free. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue that. That's, that's, argue why, that that, that's where I get no. like that's where it's like Schmidt was exciting because he hit a couple home runs. But if you know what to expect from Schmidt, you know that a, a good week from him is a couple home runs. I feel like that was kind of like the peak. Maybe he can get a three home run week. You know, there's probably a little more peak there. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think we should be expecting that type of production on a consistent basis from Schmidt. And that's what you were paying for at once you get to a certain point price point. And that's why it's like there's real right now. There's no difference as we sit here between Schmidt and Farmer in the short term, in my opinion, Schmidt yeah. probably has more long-term uh, value dynasty leagues, obviously. And then obviously rest of the season, probably Schmidt, but even then I'm not overly confident in any rookie that it's like one of those things where it's like, I just, I see enough reasons to question just how good he can be. But I do that like Kyle Farmer pumps good. I like. That, I, I hate that. I hate that. That's the kind well, cause I don't think people realize how good Carl, Kyle Farmer's been this year is why oh. he's been surprisingly decent. Like, Surprisingly yeah. decent, isn't yeah, that? He's someone? playing with Miranda down. He's playing third base pretty much every day now. He's thirty-two, yeah. uh, but you know he got two homers. He's hitting two eighty-six. It's funny his rest of season projection only hasn't played fifty games. They had Schmidt playing eighty-one. The Bad X has five homers and a steal and a two fifty-nine average. Uh, for Casey Schmidt, the Bad X in his eighty-one games has eight homers, two steals, so three more homers, one more steal, and a two fifty-nine average in thirty more games. So, so like, on paper, Farmer's a better player than Casey Schmidt if you believe in projections. And that gives you 30 games to replace him with someone else on the waiver wire later on, if you believe any of that. That's, that's just obviously projections, hearsay, a lot can change. But if you're especially a with rookies, person, especially with rookies, because we talked about it last week, I think yeah. it's just it's hard for these systems to pick up on rookies. But yeah, 100%. it's still one of those things. It's just wild. And I'd even look at projections when I said that. So the comp actually played out pretty well after you've read those projections. So thank you for affirming my uh, confirming my bias there. All right, let's talk about the Band-Aid. You mentioned him a second ago. This is the fun one because I like the Big Maple. I've always rooted for the Big Maple. It's kind of hard not to root for the Big Maple, but he can't. it, it actually is hard to root for him because he's not on the field very often. Let's put it that way. It's hard to root for a guy rehabbing somewhere. And this is James Paxton we were talking about. And he made his first start of the season for the Red Sox. Five innings, four hits, two earned, one home run, one walk, nine strikeouts for Paxton. That's a 40% K to walk to one start. But 10.3% swing strike, not bad, not great. Um, and he had some, he had a, his, his fastball Vila was around 96, which I think is pretty cool to see from Mr. James Paxton. 
But there's a million questions with this one. Like, how long does he stay healthy? Because on paper, I think we could both agree, Thurlin, if he stays healthy the rest of the year, he gives us five to six innings at every start, this guy's a game changer. It's pretty freaking awesome. And people bid it that way. He's added in 373 leagues, third most player added this past week in, D- in OCs. And he was added for as high as 555 as low as $4. 555 is nuts for a guy that's got the injury history he has. But what's your thoughts on Paxton's? I think we can both agree, awesome arm, if healthy. And for reference, in Maine's, he even went as high as 141. And right now, if you've heard a lot of these podcasts, main events, people that's what a lot of people are referring to with Fab, and that's a lot of money for a player that isn't like an A, that isn't one of these prospects. So you said he went for 141 to- on average or highest? The high. That's oh, the high in mains, but he he also he only got added in twenty leagues because I think there was there's people already probably stashing. Yeah. I guarantee it just because it's a fifteen team league, and it goes back to speaking to the to what to what the league is in terms of or to where we're at with pitching. People need upside. People need injection of anything. Uh, steroids would be preferable at this point. I mean, we need anything though, like with pitching. And he came out firing. You mentioned the velo was there for Paxton. And looked like a little bit like his old self. So people are like, all right, cool. I'm going to get in on this. And we all know it's going to be, what, a great seven starts before he's hurt again, unfortunately. That's kind of – and we say that in jest, but at the same time, there is some truth to that because when's the last time Paxton stayed healthy for a stretch, especially throwing this hard? I think it was a – I think it was a – somebody mentioned on podcast, and I can look it up to confirm, but he hadn't thrown this hard consistently for a full season since, like, 2016. Yeah. I think it was CBS. That's why the Velo was surprising. The Velo was very surprising. It's one of those things where – I think he's great for now. You want to ride it and see where it goes, but I don't think you want to. That's an expensive ride. It's like you're renting a you financed a car you can't afford the payments on, so you're gonna be repoed in like three weeks, maybe a, maybe a month. That's what it feels like with him. I don't with blame Pax, you there, James Paxton. Yeah, we're James about. Paxton. That is. Let's talk about uh, the Fletcher that can actually hit baseballs. It looks like, and that's Dominic Fletcher. Of the Arizona Diamondbacks added in 345 leagues, as high as 181, as low as a dollar. Um, dude's been good. 429 on the season through 46 plate appearances, six extra base hits, including two home runs. He had those over the weekend against the Giants. You're welcome. I uh, got nine RBIs in those games. So nine of two, both of his home runs and nine of his 13 RBIs came over the weekend against the Giants. But the batting average has been good all season. He's walking or he's striking out around 15% of the time. So that's a plus for sure. Um, hard hit rate about 43%, bell rate 5%, nothing crazy. But in a world where, you, like you, for instance, need outfield help, how's Dom Fletcher looking to you? Man, like, uh, he, he's good. He's it, It's almost like last year's version of Lourdes Gurriel, like where you, you know you'll get batting average help, you know you'll get some solid floor. I don't think the ceiling's there for Fletcher. And he he's a guy that all through the minors, you saw – Fletcher have this really strong plate approach in terms of like strikeouts and walks. The power's always been okay, not great. He's shown flashes. There's a little bit of speed there. So there's some category juice. That's why I was like, so maybe last year's Lord Gurriel isn't fair because I think there's more pop there, but I feel like he's kind of fine. He's fine. I think Lord Gurriel is probably a good comp because Lord Gurriel this year is showing a little more pop in his game, has the batting average floor. I think Fletcher offers something similar to that type of skill set of like, you're not going to be like overly excited to have Fletcher on your team, but you're going to be like, oh, this guy has been really solid and just kind of producing. And a fifth outfielder in a fight, he's one of the guys where it's like in a 12 team where it's kind of tough, but as a fifth outfielder, you're still probably able to fit him in your lineups. But like he's 15 team gold in terms of like, you know, you can kind of just sell him and forget him right now because Fletcher's just giving you that production. And again, there's a track record there being that solid all around contributor, not flashy, not over the top, but just 
he's gonna just give you numbers and that's that's that has value but even in okay. 12s again that has value because you want a guy that can probably stabilize your batting average a little bit while without being a zero elsewhere playing every day yeah that's that's gonna be him so it's uh the comp i, I think the comp of guriel in terms of just like boring but useful is what comes to mind but he has a little bit of extra category juice if he starts running he just hasn't ran yet no, i'm with you on that one. i think fletcher's a Sneaky play, and I kind of would look to get him if you guys could still get him this upcoming week. I think there's a lot to like there with him, especially if the matchups look good, which you can use with the uh, the lineup tool and whatnot. Schedule deal over at Game of the Edge Fantasy. Just going to throw it out there. All right, Christopher Morell. Here he is, added in 329 leagues because he's already stashed in a lot of leagues before this weekend. But this is what's fun. He went for his highest 300 bucks. I'm not crazy. Like, it's still expensive, but not crazy. Some leagues got him as low as $2. $2. Like I just love OC so much. Like how? Why? What happened? It's the Wild West, man. But we've we've talked about Morell a lot already on this show. Did you have anything else you wanted to add on him? Like we both agree the power is awesome. He's got speed. He's going to strike out a ton, which is going to lead to slumps from time to time. Nico Horner will eventually come back. So there's questions to be had there. If he's hitting, he stays, obviously. But what's your thoughts on Christopher Morell? You nailed it. Very toolsy, very hot, cold type of guy, as long as those the swing and miss is there. But Morel's a guy that can be a difference maker in spurts. And I think it's like we saw last year. Morel came up, crushed for like a month or so, and then was useless. But people still had to trot him out because he was playing just enough to keep your hopes up. And people were trotting him up for like a month on top. So it's like you got the good and the bad. And the issue is with a player like him with Morel or like insert streaky hitter here, Swinski for a reference, guys that you have to just – like you kind of ride the good and bad because it's just going to be this roller coaster. And at the end of the day, that's what Roto is. You get these stats at the end. But if you can catch the good on the way up and kind of jump off, even if it's a little early, at least you'll miss the bad. It's just hard with him. But anyway, Morel, uh, in, I, I hope you don't mind. I realize I'm like, you're referencing OCs. I can just reference the main event numbers too. Yeah, that's fine. Go for it. Might as well. But uh, he went for as high as 300 and as low as 103. So there was a lot more consistency there. And mm-hmm. he went for 250 something in my league. And that's what I went back to. Well, this kind of played in my favor because at least. I dropped spent a lot of money. I, I, I dropped Morel. He didn't get added for free the week before. So he sat there. No one got those stats. All those like, don't get me wrong. Someone got the three run home run tonight or whatever he has, but nobody got the other two home runs. And I think I stole base last week. So at least those stats were on my league's bench or on my league's fr- uh, waiver wire. So they, no one could get those, which is nice. And then somebody spent 250, which is at this point a third of someone's remaining budget, probably. That helps which, you long term for sure. That definitely. So at least it wasn't a, it wasn't a net zero for me i got varland Var- i won't call him varlander that's where i go <laughs> so saying varland i got my boy varlander and i got and i got someone to spend 250 so and i think right now it's a net positive but still i'm just trying to make myself i think at the end of the day i'm just trying to make myself feel better for the but but yeah at least something good came out of it in terms of someone spending big on them in my league for sure no I'm, I'm hoping for the best we'll see how it plays out now this one i really i'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say because ben ted and i talked about him on twitter and it's luis ortiz we'll talk about him quite a bit when we recap my fab acquisitions for the week, but he picked up in 270 leagues for as high as 179 for as low as a dollar. This is a guy that threw five innings, two earned on five runs, a home run, only one strikeout, which did concern people, of course, because he had strikeout stuff in the minors, not like crazy, crazy, but a 23% K rate this past year. He's usually been on 24 to 28, give or take throughout the minors. Walks have been a bit of an issue from time to time. But this is a guy that, you know, going into the season, this is the guy that people thought Pittsburgh was going to come up with Luis Ortiz, not Oviedo. Oviedo pitched well. That's kind of fallen back. Uh, Ronzi Contreras looks lost now. 
So that's a whole thing. So when I saw the winning bids I had, which we'll discuss later, that were usually in the single dollar range, I'm trying to figure out, like, I literally went to every news source. I'm like, did he get sent down and I missed something? Like, it was Mother's Day. I was out. Like, did something happen? So what's your thoughts on Luis Ortiz? I know it wasn't the most amazing start we'd hoped for in a debut. But if we talked about Luis Ortiz in March, he was one of the guys people were drafting in leagues, potentially, to come join the Pirates. And now he's not even getting really a ton of attention come fab time. He's not flashy. That's what it is with Ortiz. I think that's what would keep oh, that's us. That's my kind why, of guy. Let's do this. Like, I think that's what's helping suppress the cost. And for reference, main events, only three times did he go over $100. And it was for the same person in all, like the same same drafter, same person that has three leagues, uh, got him for the same price in all three leagues. And the runner-up bids were half the cost. Like, And then the next highest after him was 84 And as low as 6 bucks in a main event where pitching is very – very much needed, especially in 15. That's why I was very surprised because I didn't go after Ortiz, but it's because I didn't really need him. And I understand that, you know, team context is terrible, but good home ballpark. There's some pedigree here. You know, he's a, he's a prospect people should be excited about. I think the ceiling isn't that of a Yuri Perez and those guys. And that's why. Sure. Were, well, and I think that's what caused the prices to be suppressed. There's just that he lacks that. Like, okay, this isn't a difference-making guy, but what Ortiz can be is a streamer, a guy you're streaming off your bench, a two-star guy. Maybe maybe you stream him in a good, solid one-start one, uh, matchup. He gets Detroit I think this week. That's that's a great reason to start him. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, but you get my point, though. It's one of those things where oh, I know, I'm, I'm just trying to validate I, it some more. I, I get why – I can understand, in a, in a sense, why people weren't overly aggressive, but the fact that he – but the fact that Ortiz wasn't – a little more costly was a surprise just because that's, that's where I was going with that. Like but, I understood, but, but, I understood Yuri was going to get all the money. I even understood Paxton would get more money. I'm not clueless to that. See, I don't but, know why that was because pa- I understand Paxton has the name and had and the velo. Nine and his velo was up. I, I understand that, but people should have still understood. Look at the injury risk here. Look at I the agree, vast I agree a thousand percent. I, I maybe bid 25 bucks at most on Paxton. I, I didn't I, go high on him at all. May, maybe there's, I feel like there's a happy medium between the two. Both should have been closer to 100 than the upwards of like or even a maybe closer to 80 to 100 that range compared to like we saw paxton fluctuate really high and low and then you see luis ortiz being a dollar six dollars whatever it is yeah. so it's one of those things where i feel like ortiz was probably in the conversation with paxton without it was the, the cheap it was without the cost it almost goes back to i mean it's a poor man's varlin i just that's my boy but it's just one of those things where varlin the week that you bid on him he was going for like a hundred dollars cheaper than logan allen and company and that was the kind of same same thing where varlin profile to have this interesting upside play without having that without even without having the uh the background to do so in terms of like the positive pedigree whereas ortiz did the opposite he came out didn't flash what we know is the upside there for ortiz we know it's not the highest ceiling there but the floor i think there's a floor there that's very valuable and, and probably just about any league just a valuable floor that you could probably really use right now in fantasy and i oh, feel like he just it. kind of I, just, I don't know. Maybe it's just the lack of excitement. It's all I can get at. It's a long, my long window way of saying it's just a lack of excitement. No, you're, you're, you're basically backing up. You're backing up my thoughts. That's why I was like, I'll take my chances here and hope it pans out. If it doesn't, we're cool. Like yeah, it's not costing me him. anything. Like, but if, if, if he reaches even close to that ceiling or expectations we hoped for, even if he's I'm, SP4, if, yeah. you're, he's, if he's SP4, SP5 for your team, a guy that you're, you're starting more times than not, a guy that you hoped Johan Oviedo uh, would have been. If he was, if he's that guy. You're you're happy because he didn't cost as much as Oviedo did. Oviedo, I'm sorry. 100%. Oviedo, Oviedo, which one is it? Oviedo. Oviedo. I should know I'm better. You. Yeah, you should. You are from like Cuba. 
Um, I, I'm I'm not from there. I, I my know, family, my, well, my family, and, and you're, right? in Florida, you're in Florida, and I'm so. in Florida. I I, yeah. I I I can say it. it doesn't mean I know it. All right. I yeah, barely, I I barely remember your name half the time. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> here's a guy that you should know the name of, and that's Dylan Floro. Picked up in 258 leagues, as high as 135, as low as a dollar in 12s. He was added because AJ Puck hit the IL with left nerve irritation, which is terrifying. Whenever I hear nerve any irritation. Um, I was like, curling gets on my nerve, but that doesn't send me to the IL. There's a difference. Um, Floro picked up the save on Sunday, the first day Puck was out. Officially, he was out since Wednesday. But um, Floro's kind of got a mixed bag. Uh, ERA, whip, or ERA, XFIP aren't bad. He's got a couple saves, got a handful of holds. Uh, Kata walks close to 20. What's your thoughts here? I know there's another name you like in that bullpen. Yeah, he's okay. He he's the uh, he's the Luis Ortiz of relief pitching. You know, he's just kind there of like you you're you're okay with him. He's gonna get you saves. I I do. Th- I wasn't sure it was gonna be him, but then we got confirmation right away that it is. So, um, wow, I can't. Remember. I always Brazabon. Brazabon, I think's the uh, Brazabon. Yeah, yeah Brazabon's the name, and uh, he's the name that came to mind. So I'm like, all right, because he came out of nowhere and he's been crushing it in the bullpen for the most part. And I'm like, all right, at least there's some upside there. Maybe it'll be him, and it's not or. I think there's a chance he gets a couple saves, you know, you know, if Floro's not available, et cetera. But I think it's Floro's job to lose. We saw Floro take the job and run with it last year. What scares me about Puck is that it sounds very similar to what Springs kind of like randomly had, and the next you know Springs wasn't back anymore. Yep. <laughs> TJ. Yeah. I'm not, not saying that's happening here. It just it, it feels and maybe the it's progression con- is going that direction right now. It's not good. PTSD is taking over on this one. Yeah, it's it's a uh, recency biased. Um, there's a bunch of names I want to do, so can we quick hit these as quick as you can? How's that sound? Like, well, just quick, real quick, quick thoughts on these players. Well, real quick, Morell's playing time might just be safe even more because Cody Bellinger left with a uh, leg injury. Okay. Like I said before the show when we talked, I said <laughs> with Morell outfield, infield, play anywhere you want. So, yep, there you go. He can Problem play on solved. the waiver wire. Screw that guy. <laughs> so quick quick thoughts here. Wandy Peralta in 236 leagues as high as 121. He got two saves over the weekend for the Yankees. That whole thing's been a mess between Michael King, Clay Holmes, we thought other guys would get chances. You, you thought, what, Ian something or other? Ian Hamilton, Hamilton was yeah. named. Boone mentioned him by name and yeah. didn't give him an opportunity. And tonight, oh. Ian Hamilton came in and didn't get a, a – he came in like in a five-run game. So he's so definitely out. Um, what's your thoughts on this Peralta deal, though? He's kind of in that conversation with Gregory Soto, kind of like a guy who can factor in, won't get every opportunity, I don't think. But I don't know. Like they used King tonight. I don't know if King got the save. King came, but King is slowly getting utilized in a multi inning role again. So I think King is slowly, people, you know, part of what was alluring about King was that they talked about King being the guy, King getting most save ops. But now we've seen two straight outings where King has been utilized in multiple innings. King pitched tonight 1.1 innings and last outing. He came out for another inning and got hit up. It's a the hard. lowest. It's the lowest Seager roll from last year. It's the same. But thing. but the thing was is that King was supposed to be transitioning to a single inning role, and or so I think Holmes having all these scoreless outings in a row. But Holmes also had a multi inning role last uh, multi inning outing last outing. So maybe Peralta has. Maybe I'm not giving it enough credit here. I am watching this usage very closely because I have Holmes in a bunch of places. But I do think it's going to be a matchup thing. I because I've seen Holmes and King get utilized heavily against the middle of lineups too. So, but Peralta's a lefty. I, I don't know. I, I maybe there's more. Again, maybe there's more to it than more. Especially after seeing tonight, maybe there's more to it than I initially gave it credit for. But I'm still not sold that Peralta's the guy. I think he just kind of took advantage of the situation this weekend. When Peralta got four saves last year, remember there was a stretch when there was injured pitchers that Peralta got a little run as well. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. 
you mentioned Gregory Soto. I wanted to bring up uh, because I made these moves. I'll talk about them when we talk about our moves. Never mind. I'll save them. Um, what's your take on Jake Berger, who got activated on Sunday? He got picked up in 144 leagues. as high as 86 bucks. Um, Moncada's back. I know we were both on Berger when Moncada was out. We were both fans of that. Uh, you, you talked about him a lot. I wrote him up for like three weeks in a row because no one was picking him up. Uh, then he goes and gets hurt, comes back homers in his first game. They're saying like him and Sheets are going to split DH roles, which means Sheets would have the strong side of the platoon there. I think they have to let Berger hit personally. But what's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, it's all going to be about playing time. He, it's Berger is a home run play. He's going to bat fifth through seventh in that lineup any given night, and he does hit lefties better than righties. So if there is a platoon, he is screwed. We we saw that platoon happen before too. So we'll see if that holds. But I thought maybe DH was going to be for him. But I know Grandall's dealing with hamstring issues, and he's always dinged up. And Grandall's hitting well this year, so I think Grandall's going to eat into some of that DH. You have guys like it's. It's not as clear cut, although there is a path for playing time. I don't think it's as clear cut as we probably think it could be or should be. So, although at the end of the day, I'm I'm fine with it. I I think you take the shot for the power upside and hope that the playing time sticks. Plus, Mankata isn't known to, for his health these days anyway. So, just just might as well. I mean, again, he came up, started right away, hit a home run. I think they're gonna make a point to get his bat in the lineup, and then when he cools down, maybe then you get get a little bit more concerned. But yeah, that's where I'm at. I think it's just a power play for sure. If you need power, you go out and get him. I'm with you on that. Uh, Alex Kirilov returned from the IL and he had a big boy weekend. A couple home runs, looked really good. We've always liked how Alex Kirilov looks when he's healthy. He got picked up in 125 leagues as high as 228, as low as two dollars. I'm like, I love him when he's healthy. I think it's pretty plain and simple what Alex Kirilov can do. What are your takes on Alex Kirilov? Pretty same or just like expect the worst? Are you just out on him still? What's your thoughts? I just don't trust those wrists. He can't. He has been able to stay healthy with them forever. And I don't I don't necessarily believe the power is going to suddenly be there after like third straight year, come off his third straight year of uh, of uh, injured wrists. And he's still uh, – see. so this is where it gets interesting. It's super small sample. But the big thing with Kirilov was he used to pull everything on the ground. Right now – He's pulling 66% of the balls of like of his pulled balls, and the 66% are all our line drives. So if he's pulling more in the air, then the power will play finally for him. However, we're talking a very, very small sample, beyond small enough for that to even be a stat that matters. We saw Alec Bohm do the same thing to start off the season. Look where that's gone. You know what I mean? So to sit there and just assume that Kriloff is gonna suddenly hit for power is too it's too early to say, but it is encouraging to see the you know, five home runs. Between double A or between triple A and major league, five home runs in what 18 games. I'm not going to do the math, it's, it's like 75 play appearances basically. So, obviously, there's a little pop there, and maybe I need to be more optimistic, but I have a reason not to be. I think he's a solid, safe type of guy, but at the end of the day, understand there's a good chance for platoon and there's a good chance for re injury. That's fair. Do you have a pen by you that you can write down some names if I give you a list real quick? I want to hear Pencil. how you. I want, that's fine. That's fine. I also want, I want to hear how you rank these guys for the listeners because there might be options on the wire for them in the future. My Dunder Mifflin um, Paper Company book. Oh, beautiful. All right. Let's do this. These are all p- potential closers. Either have the job now, could have the job. We'll see. Ugh, so, Wandy Peralta. Okay. Gregory Soto. Uh, okay. Miguel Castro. Okay. I'm not going to put Craig Kimbrell because we pretty much know it's his for now. Um, who else did I see on this list? Kendall Graveman is on this list still for some reason, even though I think it's because Hendricks is struggling. People want that. Uh, I'm not even writing his name down. Just so we're okay, honest. Fair. <laughs> so then those first ones I gave you between Castro, Soto and Peralta, and you can throw Dylan Floro in there if you want. Uh, Ooh, how do you rank okay. those four? Okay. So I think I'm going to put 
Castro at the top. And this is how I actually did it myself this weekend. So Castro at the top, I made a point to get him because there's been a clear shift in that role. He's been not only getting the high leverage situations, but like the ninth inning almost exclusively last few outings. We saw Chafin come in like in the seventh inning game just to get out of like a point, like a two in a two thirds of an inning type of situation. It wasn't even a full inning. So I was like, that's weird. And I don't think we've seen Castro pitch anything before the eighth almost all year, especially of late. And now he he had a save and win last week. I think two saves even. Uh, Castro's look great. So I think Castro, I think that's his spot now. Floro, same thing. We saw him kind of get the first shot. Wandy, I'm not, it's, they have so many options there. Wandy struggles once. He's, he's probably done. Um, you know what I mean? So it's like, even if, but if he's the guy, then I'm definitely, then he jumps this list. But right now I'm not assuming he's the guy. And then Soto goes behind him because I don't know. I feel like people weren't paying attention. I didn't see Kimbrel listed on any lists, but Kimbrel cruised through last week, got three, got three appearances in the ninth, not one, not two. He got Kimbrel got three appearances in the ninth, got a win, got a save and shut down a four run lead. And this was after um, being set up by, um, Dominguez, uh, uh, Sir Anthony, yeah, Dominguez. Yep. So he was he was setting him up, and Dominguez, I think, pitched even like the seventh of one of those games. Soto got the yep. save. Soto got the save on the night that Dominguez and Kimber were both unavailable. So yep. although I think Soto will get some, and I know rumors been like 60-40, They showed us. They showed us it was Kimbrel. They showed us it was Kimbrel every opportunity they had minus the one he wasn't available because he threw like a ton of pitches last week in innings. So I don't that's know. Why, Nobody talked about him. It blew my you know, mind. Kim, We're sitting yeah, like, Kimbrel got added in 151 leagues as high as 145, but as low as two. And he seemed like the most clear cut dude to grab if he needed saves. It was, was him and Castro for me. And I had, yeah. I had Kimbrel ahead of Castro, but I, I knew Castro would be cheaper. And I, Got Castro. I, I overpaid by 10 bucks on Castro and I got him for like 29 bucks on my main, which obviously there goes that conversation. But it was one of those things where I, this is how I ranked him this week. I had Kimberl ahead of all of them just because yeah. of what we saw. And well, that's why I didn't even give them to you because I figured everybody would have them ahead. But then, like you said, I looked at the price halls. I'm like, wait, a lot of people didn't actually, surprisingly. A lot of people enough. didn't seem it. And I think it was just a lack of people talking about it. I don't think people, yeah. people monitor the usage closely, but I feel like people just kind of th- like sometimes they'll just be like, oh, well, I heard this. And every podcast is kind of echoing the same 60 40 and don't sleep on Soto. And I heard Sleeper on the Bus talk about Soto was their favorite guy. And not Sleeper, sorry, wrong podcast. It was, um, it was rates and barrels and i'm like is nobody i, I was just frustrated because i'm like no one's talking about kimbrell maybe it was just a way to keep people off the scent i don't know it was just but it's weird and i get maybe people just have that it was one of those things where it's like oh it's kimbrell again like oh that it's paralysis by analysis you know? he, looked, he looked amazing he well, looked outstanding if you go look it was um he had two blow-up outings against the don't get me wrong he started off the season really bad too early in the had, season yeah but early but he had season. two blow-up outings against the dodgers i'm sorry but if there's a team that probably knows him really well outside of the braves it's the dodgers good call and uh and Kimbrel's velocity is back up it's been up for a few outings now too so it's like everything about Kimbrel looks really legitimate and don't get me wrong i know alvaro's supposed to return soon so i get that but he's just now starting a throwing program so we're looking at at least another couple weeks and if Kimbrel's locked down do we think that alvaro's just going to supplant him i think that i think that will become a more of a split scenario based on matchups like okay alvaro's gonna get all the tough lefties and then you're gonna have Kimbrel still get in there versus some middle order top tough righties and I don't think I think if Kimbrel I think it's gonna be Kimbrel's spot not necessarily to lose but at least he's gonna be he's gonna be involved I think going forward one of those things where they're gonna they're not gonna just take him out of a spot he's flourishing flourishing in whereas Alvarado has flourished in multiple roles for them yeah. they can easily plug Alvarado back in as needed. And Kimbrel has shown in the past that when he's not in that closing role it gets dicey. He's it can one be. of those guys that gets dicey. So, and don't get me wrong, he could he could go back to being a pumpkin any moment. Kimbrel can. Oh, the other but, guys we meant the other guys we mentioned are not even proven dudes for the most part. Kimbrel yeah. has been one of the best closers in baseball not that long ago. 
Like, yeah, and he, and he looked he looked yeah. the best out of all of them this week. Yeah, he and, earned he earned the right to be added, and um, yeah, I'm surprised. As far as they slipped through the cracks, cracks quite a bit. So we'll see how that goes. Um, let's recap our pickups for the week. What do you got in your one main event league? <laughs> I like it's, it's all I play. It's on one family. Not, well, I do I do our OCQ, and I got I think I, I forgot who you I can got mention that if you want to knock yourself well, out. I forgot who I got there. It doesn't matter. Um, okay, so I got my boy Jake Bowers, <laughs> and obviously tonight he hit. I think I told you right away. Bowers hit a uh, 399 foot shot to center field that would have been a home run in six other parks and was a fly out in this one. But the reason why I went after Jake Bowers, this goes back into uh, uh process. He, he led off tonight. He led off the second straight game Sunday, the leadoff spot. I upped my bid because of that. I was like, not that I thought he was going to stick the lead off. I'm like, they're leading them off. They really have confidence. I figured they're going to keep them in the lineup at the very least. Um, for these righties seven righties this week. And I know there's supposed to be more next week as well, but I never look more than seven days ahead because let's be honest, pitching, pitching changes so changing much all the time now. So I look seven, I try to look seven days ahead. He had seven, they, he lined up for seven right-handed pitchers this week. And it was the, also the venues at Toronto who we know they can, especially when they move the fences in for lefties and then Cincinnati, come on now to the, pitching and that venue all day. And then uh, he also the, obviously uh, barreling the ball well and better than ever, hard hitting the ball harder than ever, elevating the ball a ton. He had a 96% Z contact, which is how much contact he's making in the zone right now. Unsustainable, but there's some legitimate growth here. I know Bowers is just a guy, but there was excitement there. And I liked a lot of what I saw when I looked in, under the hood and decided to give him a shot. And a lot of it was just chasing outfield and playing time. And the leading off thing, the fact that it's stuck is a surprise. But if he can give me one frame, if he can spike me one or two Franchi Cordero-esque weeks, that's kind of the comp I would say he deserves right now. Just give him that Franchi comp in terms of playing time lefty with in New York and can run hot. That's kind of what I'm hoping for here. And that's why I made a point to get him. Uh, Henry Ramos goes back to just matchups. Cincinnati has a core series, has a, a home series, and and a, uh, and a lot of righties. And he's also, well, Ramos just plays every day right now. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It was just literally, I'm targeting playing time with a really good schedule there. Another ad was uh, Castro. We talked about why. It was just, yeah. we talked about Castro. I'm trying to remember the rest of my ads. You would think I'd write these down by now. Um, I have a whole tweet about them, though, so I'll find that real quick. The other ones were. And that's Miguel on. Castro, for those that might not remember. Yes, we sorry. Just talked about I, I said Castro, as if everyone knows. Castro. I yes. expect everyone just to future know. Clothes, future clothes with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh, hopefully that's the way I'm treating them anyway. Where the heck? I'm gonna find this tweet. I know I'm slacking here. Later. Shut your face. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, here it is. Okay, so uh, Nick Anderson was the other one. Iglesias yeah, blew. Yeah, you had you had very good comments on this one. So he Iglesias blew the save the last night. The velocity was no. It wasn't like oh, it's down half a tick. It was down like two and a half three miles per hour. That's very much concerning. And I went back and watched the outing a little bit. He was not able to hit the zone for his life. Everything was off the zone. So it was one of those things where I'm like, is there injury there? He shouldn't. And the thing about Anderson, the thing about Iglesias is he shouldn't have been uh, fatigued because he didn't pitch since Wednesday. And yesterday was Sunday. That's four full days. And he only threw 20 pitches on Wednesday. So we'll see it, uh, what happens there. And somebody, the reason why I, I, I bid low and I got lucky because apparently I didn't realize that he was going to be such a hot commodity. He ended up being like in the 20s on some leagues. But um, I knew how my league. It goes back to knowing your league. Know how your league uh, values or does things. And uh, my league is very weird when it comes to, like, 
the eighth inning guys, they're reactive, but they usually aren't pro uh, proactive for the most part. Some, sometimes they are. King was an early snag for reference. Um, but there, I've noticed that guys like Nick Anderson, you can kind of squeeze by for two, three bucks. So I got him three to two. That's my best bid of the week. Otherwise, I overbid everywhere else in my league. And uh, yeah, um, I forgot who who somebody. I wish I knew his name. Somebody we were talking back and forth about fat. He's like, Hey, don't forget to look at this guy. And he just tricked. He, he said the name Nick Anderson. I, I so I, I went and looked at the because yesterday was, it was Mother's Day. I didn't look at box scores. And sure enough, I go and look and I'm like, Oh, like I didn't just look at the box score. I looked at the savant page and realized the velocity. That's what sold me. I was like, Oh, because he just he dropped the name. I went and looked at what happened. And I was like, Oh, my goodness. Um, so I want to give credit there because I probably would have been a day late and a dollar short, unfortunately. Yeah, well, that's the beauty of it. You got, you got that's the beauty of having fr- that's the beauty of having friends. Like you can't expect everyone to catch you. You can't expect yourself to catch every little thing by yourself. All sure. if you know, there, there's 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 group think and there and that's why the group thing exists. People have these little chats, little friends that help. Everyone has friends that help each other. It is what it is. I have no problem admitting I have those too. I'm just usually I, I just I I do I do pride myself being pretty on top of things though. I'm usually pretty on top of things. I mean, people anybody heard how I broke down Kimbrel. That wasn't and George is the guy who does that for us. And I didn't even look at George's notes. It's just because I'm on top of every little thing I can be this year. And um, I missed that. And I, you could tell it bothered me to miss that. But I also just don't want to, I don't want to admit, I don't want to act like I take credit for something that I didn't do. I don't like taking credit for shit I didn't do. Sorry, stuff I didn't do. It's just, it's, it's, it just sucks because I, I feel like as much as I cover, as much as I catch to miss one little thing on a Sunday on Mother's Day when I was doing yard work all day and stuff. Yeah, it bothered me, and I, I hate. That's why I hate. I realize um, I take this fantasy thing probably more serious than I probably should. If that's a, if that bothers me, it bothers I'm me good. enough to where I have to sit here and give credit to somebody else. And I think I'm it was uh, FF Calculator. He's in our he's in our uh, Patreon. Uh, he's yeah. in our uh, FF Calculator. Yeah. Yes, he was the one who was like Trip we were talking. Yes, we were talking about it on uh, on just going back and forth talking fab and. He brought the name up, and I'm like, "Cool, I'll go look into him." That was a cool thing. Like, he, all he did was drop the name. He didn't try to sell me on him because he, he's like, "Just look into it. Tell me what you think." And it was one of those things where I was like, "Oh, cool. Thanks for bringing that up." So it was, it, you know, I still made my own decision, my own bid amount, and it worked out because that's. So, do we have time to talk about that? I want to talk about yeah, that real quick. Do what you wish. So I want to talk. Obviously, you have names to talk about, but I want to talk about knowing your league because here's the thing: we give recommendations based on market value, but mm-hmm. I go. So what I do to determine what I'm going to bid, I look at who has what money left who has what needs and who would be on these players I'm in on and why, like I got to sell myself on why someone might be on a player or not. And then I go back and I look at every one of their bids for the season and track their history in terms of how much they bid, what type of player they bid on. Are they early on these types of players? Are they late or do they like to be aggressive on these types of players and they need them? I, I, I make meticulous little notes and this, I do this for every single player. I, every single person I'm bidding against for in fab, in my league just to see if I can get any little edge and try to price the market. Right. And I've been very right. Most of the time, a lot of times, but I've been obviously this week, I really miss misguided miss. I got to readjust my thinking because money's getting different. There's less money to throw around. So people aren't as aggressive this week. And that's what led me to overpaying a lot in, 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 Again, not compared to the market, but compared to my league. And that's where, so it's like, I'll hit on some and like others, like I spent like 30 extra bucks I didn't need to spend this week. And that $30 is going to be huge. Uh, but it's one of those things where it was hard to make that, that that adjustment in the bidding happened abruptly this week. There was a couple big bids and everything else kind of normalized because money's getting tight. So now it's like, I have to go back, look at almost all the owners that I think are going to be, uh, 
you know, fighting for certain players and kind of recalibrate my thoughts on their bids. But that's what I do. That's I go through my, I don't sit there and just look at market. I look at market value in terms of like understanding what could happen, but then I go back and look at track record and try to gauge, can this really happen in my league? And, and then if it can, am I willing to do this? And am I willing to be that guy that, that does that too? So it's one of those things where I like to think I keep myself a little like, like up and down, harder to read, but at the same time, Maybe I'm just as, you know, if you take the time to really look into my bid history and what I do, maybe you can pick up a, a trend on me as well. But uh, at the end of the day, I really make a point to try to learn what every guy, what every person, I should say, I can't assume they're guys, so guy, girl, whatever, and who every person in my league is doing. I, I try to make a point to learn their habits, their way they spend, who they spend, the type of players they spend on, the type of bids they place. And I really, like, that's the type of thing, that's what you have to do to really get an edge in your own league. You can't just depend on the market to dictate what you should be spending. Yeah, that's fair. It's a very good uh, a little tangent, but that's good. If you can pull it off, it's amazing stuff there. Maybe I should do it more because I'm about to tell you my bids. Oh boy. Um, and one of my OCs picked up Luis Ortiz. He'll be mentioned a few times. Dropped Zach Jackson, $12. Runner up bid, one buck. Got Nick Prado, dropped Max Kepler, eight to zero. Add Michael Massey, dropped Rodolfo Castro, who's platooning now, seven to zero. Prado and Massey were big pickups of mine because A, they're crushing baseballs right now even Massey's like his power production and quality of contacts improved tremendously over the last few weeks they get six righties this week they're going to play a ton so I like both of them good matchups for the Royals and the Royals are one of the best teams offenses in baseball in May so don't sleep on them weird yeah and then the last one I picked up and it actually worked out pretty well um well the he has not pitched yet the drop worked out well picked up Chase still Seth because he's about to jump into the Angels rotation he's got some good strikeout stuff walks have been an issue from time to time but he's got the prospect pedigree I'm willing to see where that goes. And I dropped Tanner Houck. Dropped Tanner Houck because he has been not great. It's been like, and there's this tweet that came out first time through the rotation, outstanding. It's gotten worse each time after that. Uh, got still set for $3 runner up bid of zero. So not a lot of competition with those bids. I will say in this OC, Morell went for 155, um, Kimbrell 84, Paxton 81, and Yuri Perez 59. He went cheaper than Mike Clevenger, who went for 72 bucks. Cheaper than Drew Smiley that went for 172. Welcome to OCs. Yeah, I, I don't. I, that's what frustrates me. I, I didn't say it. I didn't say it last week. I'm going to say it now. I oh, hate twelve teamers. It's crazy, man. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I, next OC, I have three of them. I picked up because he was on the waiver wire. Yoan Moncada. You think he'd be a popular ad? No. I dropped Jose Miranda. I got Moncada. I bid thirteen bucks, thinking just keep him honest. Runner up was a dollar. Yoan Moncada. I know he doesn't stay healthy, but he's the cleanup hitter for the freaking Chicago White Sox. Like, what are we doing, people? Um, and Michael Massey, eight to zero. Luis Ortiz dropped Jose Alvarado, eight to four. At least a little action there. And then another one I picked up because I actually wrote about him recently. Spencer Torkelson dropped Bruce Dog Gatterall, picked up Torque four to zero. Torque is really like the line, like bad number stuff doesn't look great to the naked eye. But look what he's done the last two to three weeks. It has improved tremendously. Quality of contract has improved a ton. He's becoming a much, much better hitter. I mentioned him. I didn't pick up Tristan Costas. He was in my waterfalls. He's another guy that's turning in the right direction potentially so some of these younger guys i just started like i didn't need automatic moves like i dropped them for bruised Gatterall. like literally it's a bench reliever for me that was speculating them on like two weeks ago i'm just speculating on torque thinking if he keeps the improvements going this could be a nice little you know bag average power bat in, in a you know, maybe even a couple weeks to a month hopefully hopefully not that long but it could be something and then my final oc i actually had a little competition i needed pitching badly here and i had actually money to spend so I picked up Luis Ortiz, dropped Drew Rasmussen, 44 to 21. Yuri Prez went for 178 in this league. That was good. 
Um, and then I got Kirilov, dropped Castro, 8-0. to zero, Picked up Prado, dropped Kepler, 8-7. to seven. That was nice. Added Silseth, finally dropped Aaron Savali, 7-0. to zero. So I, a lot of non-competitive bids, which is insanely frustrating um, all across the board. Uh, I, I got more competition in Barf for crying out loud, looking at those right now. That's a 15-teamer, so I guess that makes sense. But yeah, uh, let me just, I won't give all the picks here, but my last 12 on the wire. Yeah, not much competition there either. <laughs> Unbelievable. But a ton of Luis Ortiz, ton of Nick Prado, ton of Michael Massey for me this week. And then some speculative waterfalls throughout that. So I think you're falling into the trap that I've found myself falling into with the OCQs at first was I find value in these players that probably doesn't exist in these formats, especially like a Michael Massey for reference. I grabbed him in our OCQ for two bucks unopposed. And then Jose Siri, where I'm like, all right, there's that power speed. He's kind of coming around. I got him for five to three. And I was like, that was a good bid. But then I got crazy. I got vastly outbid on other players. Like I did go, I tried to get us Morel. I, I didn't bid crazy for Perez. So I, I, we got Bryce Miller. Uh, we got yeah, Bryce Miller the week before. We have Taj Bradley. Like pitching on that league, of course, pitching is good in that league. I made a point to get that. Our our hitting sucks. I, get, I, I don't know what's going on there, but my point was is um, I'm learning that 12s are very different. And players like you mentioned, Nick Prado's been great. But in a 12, he's a streamable asset, but he's probably a $1 or $2 player just because of how deep that that is going into the player pool for the average uh, 12 teamer so that's where it's like i've learned i have to like i used to be that's why like i think the first few weeks you and Simeon were like hey scale back i'm like yeah you're probably right so i i have learned that players like that like massey like prado and 12s although valuable no one's bidding on them <laughs> like crazy. i've learned that which, much which is, i guess the hardest part is like we sit there we look at it we think of why value. we've and it's like why am we like the only like three people maybe in the league that figure this out of the league of 12 like or maybe the only one there's no runner up bids like no one else even bid on the guy it's probably because they not that they don't know it now that they didn't figure out it's that that they don't see them as being worthy i feel like streaming hitters it's probably easier and harder because like now it's hard you have to make certain cuts in 12s that you don't want to make you have to you have to bench players that you wouldn't bench typically because of names or whatever meanwhile i think we we kind of take over where we're kind of like well i don't care what their name is are they good no okay i'm gonna sit them for now i'm gonna play this guy like nick prado over who insert struggling player here just because i know i'm gonna get production and i feel like that's that's moves you're making because of the level of analysis you're getting into now and you're fine again this was something i've I've struggled with that's why i said that's why i always say how much i don't like 12s because i struggle with the fact that i find value in players that probably don't exist like this year with jake alou which he came up and played for a whole three or four games back in liars and uh brett weisley who couple stolen bases a couple home runs but not great it's just those things but i found value them in dcs and it's one of those things where i I was like oh i want to get this guy in this draft and but should i have really cared to get him you know what i mean like so it's like i'm sitting here finding value in these players and so that type of in-depth analysis and knowledge of the player pool i try to take over to a 12 and i'm like and that's why i was like that's why you guys had a Tell me to stop bidding so heavily. Like, hey, knock this down like 20, knock this down 15. Hey, I'm more, I'm closer to here. I'm over here like $30 over your guys' bids at, at the beginning of the year just because I didn't know any better because I'm over here thinking 15 teamers because I understand. So that's where I think I think you're kind of you're almost going the opposite direction where you're like you're seeing the value in these players more than probably you need to for these leagues is what it sounds like considering how much you're bidding and not even getting runner-ups or even and you're or your runner-ups are like a dollar or two and you're over here at seven or eight. You know what I mean? That's where. But at the end of the day, you got to get your guy, man. Who cares? You got to get your guy. If you think they're going to be productive and give you the stats, got to get your guy. I mean, granted, you obviously want to spend up for those big ticket items, but like McLean probably, but 
that's like that's like last year last week we called out schmidt uh schmidt and that worked out i mean it's not that it was a secret or anything but i didn't think he was gonna be that that good last week so it worked out yeah that's the crazy part never understand it there's always a new rhyme and reason but there are certain things you can approach as Kerwin mentioned to maybe better help you along the way we got one listener question for y'all renegade envy asked hey mike in a two-keeper league which two would you keep um other two would trade for draft picks so you get to keep two and then he trade two guys for draft picks yon or jordan alvarez austin riley wander franco Vinny pascantino Thanks for the input. I think it's Franco and I want to say Jordan, but Vinny's pretty close for me. Uh, Nick wants to get in here, by the way. But uh, Jordan Alvarez and Franco, I'm with you. I think those are the two that you keep. Unfortunately, Pascantino, as good as he is, and Riley, as good as they are, I think those are their cuts there. And if you want to get Nick in here, we can see what he has to say. I don't mind hanging out a little bit. Okay, well, we can go for a few minutes, and I, I got to run. So, do you? Oh, you have to be responsible. I have to go to work yeah. in the morning. And I, I got to dinner, do some other things. So, we'll call yeah. it night there. Cur- or Nick, join us next week. Come jump on next week. I we'll tried. dive into I more tried, pitching. Nick. Yeah, Curlin tried. I'm sorry, boss. Um, but we're gonna wrap it up there, Curlin. Any other thoughts, my friend? No, man. Uh, what, what does he say? May, may your bad bips stay low. And uh, I wish I remember the saying. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> I do see it shows you I listen. It shows you I listen, Nick. We love you too. We love you too. We love 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 Nick. Um, Make sure you guys check out Curlin on the old Twitter there at Mike underscore Curlin. We can get both of our work at Game of the Edge Fantasy plus many other places. For one, I did the first pitch podcast. Uh, May your bad bips be low and your strikeouts high. See, I remember. I remember part of it. Um, You can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick. And uh, I think we'll be back with you guys next week. It'll be Monday or Tuesday, the usual tradition. We'll see where it goes. But as always, thanks for listening. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 589. Catch you all next time. Up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.